You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're checking another box on the Reading Glasses 2019 Reader Challenge, nonfiction you don't know anything about, with special guests Carrie Poppy and Ross Blotcher from Oh No, Ross and Carrie. But first... What are you reading, Bria? I am reading... Well, as I talked about on the show, I don't know when this comes out, but I am doing, I picked the Sword and Laser pick for this month for the podcast. It's our, they've been on our show, Friends of the Show, and it's a book called Vessel by Lisa A. Nichols. I just started it, um, and it's, as I talked about on the show, it's um, a sci-fi-ish book, sort of in the vein of The Martian or something like that, very like one woman's journey. I'm so surprised. Woman on a journey. Uh, but she comes home sort of like, I kept thinking about it like uh, Castaway. She comes home and her family has moved on. Has been replaced by a volleyball. Been, she has this volleyball. <laughs> it's her best friend. No. Uh, and um, also there's a mystery thriller element Ooh. to it. So she was basically came through a wormhole. They thought her everyone on her ship was lost. And then she was like, no, I'm here. And then it turns out her whole crew is missing. And they're like, what happened to them? And she's like, I don't know. And that's... Uh, spooky. Yeah, spooky. So I guess we will all know what happened to them soon. So check that out and join us for that reading club adventure. What are you reading, Mallory? So I am reading a book that Ann Bogle recommended to me Ooh. when I was on What Should I Read Next? Uh, it's called uh, Experimental Film by Gemma Files. I've read it. It's so good. I am really excited about it. And I got... So, you know, Ann recommended to me when I was on the show and she made it sound like, you know, Uh, like definitely my shit and then when I bought it uh, it has a nice Paul Tremblay blurb on the cover and me and Paul have almost the exact same taste in books so I know I'm gonna love it um it's like kind of a spooky mystery book it's about this woman and she's going through a hard time in her life um her son has just gotten a diagnosis of being on the autism spectrum and she's learning how to deal with that and um she so she's in this like depressive spiral with her life nothing's going going really well and she goes to see this movie and she thinks that she sees this like film clip that might solve a mystery about where this woman has been. That was like a mystery that had to do with her child that she like interacted with in her childhood. Uh, this like woman whose whose kid disappeared and then she ended up disappearing. So she kind of uh, like I, I have barely just started it, but the writing is amazing, and she ends up kind of going on this like you know journey to like find this like find out what happened to this woman and it like starts to have like weird echoes in her own life Mm -hmm. and she gets really creeped out by that and um it's amazing so far I'm I'm only a few chapters in but the writing is really good and the way that she she it's like she writes it as if she's telling you the story and I love I love mysteries like that that are like you want to know what happened don't you (laughs) I love stuff like that so I'm really happy about it I love to read a good scary book during the summer I mean Let's be real. I like you to love read. it all year. You I love, love it scary all, year, book all year, but I do love to read a good scary summer book, and I think this is going to be it. So this that's uh, experimental film by Gemma Files, and mine is Vessel, a novel by Lisa A. Nichols. And we're going to take a moment to answer a recommendation request from Grace. I have fallen in love with queer space operas. Thanks to the Facebook group for this very podcast, a wonderful person named Leslie recommended A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. I asked for recommendations of any books that reminded people of Steven Universe, another sci-fi product I didn't expect to like but have recently fallen in love with. I love how Becky Chambers manages to make her cast of characters so diverse, so inclusive, so queer, and do it all without feeling forced. It's wonderful. And feel good, too. I only read depressing books normally, so this is a revelation. So if you have any recommendations in this vein, please throw them at me. Bria, this is your jam. I'm going to go with like a, I'm going to go with a soon to be classic. Uh, Cameron Hurley's Stars are Legion. Cameron motherfucking Hurley. Um, great queer characters, epic spaceness. 
But I feel like the wonderful thing about space and sci-fi books right now is they're including a lot more queer characters. Yes, which is fantastic. Uh, which is cool and makes sense. Yeah, uh, It's like the future. Not everyone's white, not everyone's straight. Yeah. The future does not look like the past, yeah. you know? Like, it's just a different world. Um, and so I think you're going to ha- find a lot of books that have been published in the last three to five years, three years, I think, even, that are going to be really good for this. So I would encourage you to go look for those, Grace, but... Start with Cameron Harley. Start with Stars of Legion. It's an amazing book. And my recommendation for this, I tapped in my best friend, Lauren Panapinto, uh, for it. And so the recommendation is A Big Ship at the Edge of the Universe. And I found out about it because it's an Orbit book. So Lauren, who's a past guest of the show, is the creative director of Orbit and does their book covers. And the cover is very beautiful. Uh, and the, but it's like a two, the two main characters, they're both gay and they're both treasure hunters on a journey through space to find this like particular artifact. And it's just like a big fun space opera, gay romp through space. Like I it sounds absolutely perfect. Sounds great. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about nonfiction with Ross and Carrie from Ono Ross and Carrie, we're going to take a quick break. This is NASA. Uh, I see a flat Earth, but we should lie to everybody about it and say it's round 10-4. Maximum Fun brings you the latest podcast, an expose on the flat Earth. I want to take advantage of humankind and make them believe a lie so that they will trust us with the government. It's all an elaborate lie. And when you get on a plane, they purposefully fly you farther than you need to go. It's disgusting. It needs to be stopped. And if you listen to Ono, Ross, and Carrie, we will tell you the truth behind the lies. Just kidding. We won't do that. We will just tell you the truth behind the truth because what we do is we look at extraordinary claims. That's right. We've gone undercover with alternative medical treatments, fringe religious groups, fringe science claims, spiritual, paranormal. We're there to check it out and let you know what happens. Is the Queen Mary haunted? I don't know. Find out. We show up. We make friends. We learn what happens when you ask questions and we tell you all about it. And we get all that funky stuff done to us. It's Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org. This week, we're checking off another 2019 Reading Glasses Reader Challenge. Read a nonfiction book about a subject you know nothing about. So for this episode, we brought in two people who are experts on checking in on things they've never heard of and are very weird. They're... Weird things. They're not weird. Carrie Poppy and <laughs> Ross Blodger from Oh No, Ross and Carrie. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having hello, us. Hello, hello. So can Welcome you- back, Ross. Repeat yeah. guest. Repeat We've guest. only had, like, I think one other repeat guest. Ooh. So, yeah, Sarah Kuhn and Ross. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. There's someone else here, too. Oh, I'm we- sorry, I'm sorry. We, the real expert in the room here is Ella Poppy, yes. who is Carrie's yeah. dog. Ella is <laughs> reads tons of nonfiction, and she has lots to say about it. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, always first, yapping on and on. <laughs> she wakes you up in the morning like, I read this great book, Mom. I got to tell you about it. <laughs> got to talk pages. <laughs> so before we go into it, uh, for anyone who is new to Maximum Fun, uh, have, can you guys tell us about Ono, Ross, and Carrie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, uh, One of my favorite podcasts. We're in, Thank you. We're an investigative podcast. We look into pseudoscience, claims of the paranormal, fringe religious beliefs, alternative medical treatments, 
We and subject we, ourselves. Yeah, we do all those things ourselves. So we've gone undercover in Scientology. We've gotten fire cupped and ear candled and acupunctured. And we fire walked. And anything that has a unusual claim attached to it, we'll try it ourselves. It is absolutely fantastic. Thank Has you. there ever been one, I'm sure you've already answered this question, where you're like, I don't think so. But then it was true. Yeah. <laughs> things on the bubble, at least. The so, things on, right, right, right. Yeah, laughter yoga kind of surprised me. Laughter yoga is oh, very that, effective. Yeah. I don't think it cures your cancer, but it, <laughs> but it will definitely make you happy. Uh, speed reading really affected yeah. Ross. Yeah, actually related to oh, this podcast, on. also yeah. one of my favorite podcasts, Reading Glasses, <laughs> uh, was we did an investigation on speed reading. And so I came in thinking, okay, well, you can't, you know, we're just not wired to flip books as fast as, you know, read them as fast as you can flip them, essentially. But there is a technique. There is a technique. And the class gave so many good just pieces of advice, like read 45 minutes at a time. That's a good length of attention, or at least time yourself out, or even time how fast you can read a page in a particular book on average, and then kind of do the math. Like, oh, if I read for half an hour, I'll get this far. And just, it gave me these little techniques to uh, break it down and not see it as intimidating, uh, as intimidating as, as I had seen reading before that. And I love reading. And so it's just, after that class, I became a more prolific reader. And every year I've been reading more books than the previous one. Wow. Yeah, you both actually speaking of what are you both reading right now? Ooh. Well, I am reading a book for this podcast here. Oh, Great. Uh it's yes. I'm almost done. It's called The Top 5 Regrets of the Dying. Oh. oh. A, a beach I've read. heard of this one. So. This is this is recommended if you are if you listen to any like self-helpy podcasts, they'll mention this. Oh yeah. Oh. No way. Yeah, it okay. comes out. I found it in a uh, like a take a book, leave a book, free library place. And I have been carrying it around. And, you know, people ask me, what are you reading? What a great, ah! what a great conversation like, starter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I, you know, we talked about reading something that you had no background in or no knowledge of and at first I really went hard I was like okay I'm gonna read about string theory you know (laughs) went went way too far out of my comfort zone and then I thought oh you know what like I I didn't grow up with grandparents I don't I don't know old people I never have I am alive (laughs) I haven't died yet (laughs) um I really feel displaced from this experience of like aging and dying. And so I thought, oh, okay, like this is this this will actually be useful to me in this really unique way. So yeah, I've been reading that. What have, sick like, motherfucker put that in the little free library? <laughs> Someone who died. I don't know. Maybe they got a lot because it's kind of it's like one of those books that I mean, am I wrong? But it kind of like encourages you're like these are the like things you should do to live better. Am I, I wrong? That you're gonna say it encourages you to die. To die. <laughs> Just um, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the implication. Yeah, but I don't think she goes too hard on it. It's okay. not too like I don't know, inspiro. You know, okay, okay, okay. Uh, it, it's not cloying. She so she's a hospice nurse, and uh, so she just talks about the regrets she hears over and over, and she's hmm. she's picked out the five that she feels are the most common. So it's definitely instructive to hear those stories, but she doesn't go too hard at like the woo woo stuff. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, or okay. like now you must do this to not end right, up like right, right. Jake. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> that sounds awesome. It's great. 
Sounds great. What about yeah. you, Ross? Uh, my favorite book on that topic that I've read is uh, Being Mortal by Atul Gawande. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I highly recommend that one. He's someone who deals with you know, hospice care and end-of-life decisions all the time. Uh, but, yeah, I just finished two books this weekend. Well, the first is— I the... want to read that book so bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know about this one? Yes. Well, first I'll mention I, I finished The Mueller Report. Whoa! Oh, boy. Which you can get for free on audible.com which I think is the hugest public service. Yeah, thank you, Audible. How's the narrator on that? Actually, great. It's Trump. (laughs) (laughs) People joked about having Hillary read it. How great would that be? I think it's three different readers because obviously they had to tackle this like with multiple people. It's 19 hours. Jesus. Uh, But this is a good one to listen to on like 1.25x or something. You listened to it. I listened to it. You listened to almost a full day of the Mueller Mueller report. Yeah, oh, totally. How Uh, was it? (laughs) Redact. <laughs> Redacted personal information. Uh, no, there there is a lot of really good stuff in there, and it just it feels like you're doing your civic duty to like mm. be aware of the full report. There's also like an eight page summary you can read that'll give you all the pertinent details. But yeah, it's so it's so carefully done and even generous to Trump, like trying mm. to bend over backwards to say, well, maybe you know he was breaking the law here, but maybe he didn't do it intentionally <laughs> because he was trying to impress the media, or, you know. <laughs> and even then, when you scrape away everything that has a, even a, a small plausible deniability, there's still so much there. Wow. Anyways, I just wanted to let everyone know that's available. I also just finished, just this morning, I'm so excited, uh, The Thrilling Adventures of Lovelace and Babbage by Sidney Padua. It's a graphic novel slash... well, uh, yeah, it's it's mostly an illustrated comic, but it's just filled with these huge, if anyone wants to look yeah, at it, yeah. these huge footnotes. And uh, Sidney Padua has has uh, geeked out on everything to do with Charles Babbage, who designed the first computer, the difference engine, that wasn't built until a little after the year 2000. Uh, so he perpetually would design it and then start working on it and then redesign it. And the British government would send him all this money. And this is all in the Victorian age. You know, this is in the 1800s. But he's designing a computer that can, you know, take in sums and calculate them and use punch cards. And it's insanely complicated. And then he designed the secondary machine. Uh, and oh, so I've seen it. I really want Ada to Lovelace is well known as the first computer programmer. She was the daughter of Lord Byron. And she understood what Babbage was trying to do and was already kind of working on the software side, like, oh, how could we program these punch cards to actually do math? And uh, so they sparked this friendship. So the first few, you know, the the first chapter essentially is just what we historically know about them, which isn't too much. Uh, But then uh, we immediately jump into this alternate universe in which they finish the machine and they use it to solve crime. And and yeah, there's all these appearances by other people from the Victorian era. And she talks about things she had to fudge and she talks about things that we know and don't know. And it's just she's geeking out all uh, over all these like super obscure things. And it's so fun. That is amazing. Awesome. Fun. So the reason why me and Bria really wanted to have you both on the show, because often for Ono, Ross and Carrie, you two read books about subjects that you are entirely unfamiliar, unfamiliar with and oftentimes disagree with, actually. But I know, Carrie, you've talked on your Twitter account about how important it is to read books by people you disagree with sometimes. And so why do you two think it's important to, to read books like this? Well, I think it's important to read books by people you disagree with because it's so easy to otherize people's perspective and to assume You already get it. You already disagree with it. You don't need to know anything else. And, you know, all that does is sort of make it impossible for you to speak to where people are coming from. 
Uh, a book that I read in the wake of Trump being elected was Hillbilly Elegy. And several mm-hmm. of my friends were like, oh, how is it? <laughs> and they hadn't read it, but they already had this tone of voice because we knew that this was by this conservative writer who was trying to express where middle America was coming from. And uh, he doesn't he doesn't actually make the argument for why they voted for Trump, but that's sort of where that narrative is going. Like, this is where middle America is and how this could all happen. And, um, and I found it like really beautifully written and really interesting. And even though I don't come to the same conclusions the writer does, I was like, well, now I, this helps me talk to my extended family in Wisconsin because now I know more about where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it would just be us all arguing, (laughs) you know, around the table all the time. So I, yeah, I think that's, that's really instructive and not just in political discourse, but just in general, like I want to be an informed person who knows more than all the things that I already think and believe. I want to know more than that. I don't know. It's kind of basic, I guess. But has a book ever changed the way you felt about something? Yeah. Uh, So I, the first one that comes to mind is by a guy I uh, don't love as a person, but is a great writer. His name's Richard Dawkins. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, um, but I was like, I was coming out of Christianity when I read The God Delusion. And, you know, that story is all murky now. It was 10 years ago. So I don't know which exact thing was the straw that broke the camel's back. But definitely The God Delusion was one of those straws. And I remember going through it and like feeling uncomfortable, feeling like, I don't really like this chapter because he makes good points. And (laughs) then, yeah, by the end of it, I was like, no, okay, solid, good argument. I get it. There's probably not a God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Ross, what about you? I've, well, yes, definitely. I, I think that's what books are so good at. And they kind of short circuit that um, defensive urge that you get, like when someone tells you you're wrong about something. And that's why, you know, we're constantly telling people you're not going to convince someone they're wrong, especially about some deeply held belief, you know, maybe a factual matter or something, but like, you know, the, how they think the universe got created or something like that in a conversation. That's just, there's no combination of words in the English language that you can put hmm. together that will you know, knock them out of that position because it becomes about them being right and you being wrong and people put up defenses. But somehow magically when you read a book, Mm -hmm. like you take on, even if you know who that author is and you don't even kind of like them, you you at least you wear their head for a moment and you can get into that and you don't see it as personally putting you on the spot because you're just casually reading on your bed or wherever. And that, that happened with me kind of in a similar foundational period Uh, for me, when I was still very active as a Christian, and I started reading a series of books after attending a series of lectures. And actually, Richard Dawkins was one of them reading The Selfish Gene. I'd been raised a creationist. Mm -hmm. And I'd been taught about evolution in terms of how to refute evolution. Mm -hmm. So finally, I'm reading like, oh, wow, this is like so powerful in its explanatory power. And then I read uh, Your Inner Fish by Neil Shubin. That's another great book. Great explanation of evolution and how it works. And uh, then also uh, The Ancestor's Tale. That's another Richard Dawkins book. Uh, That's heavy duty. Uh, It took me the better part of a year to read it. But uh, once I'd kind of gotten through those three books and some other materials, I I got it and Mm -hmm. totally changed it. That had a cascading effect that totally changed my life. Hmm. 
That's actually why I think it's a great argument for, you know, some people get really mad about why certain books are in libraries, but for people who want to get that other perspective but not necessarily buy it or give the author money, that's Mm -hmm. why I think it's really important to have that stuff Mm. available publicly for people to either listen to or read so you can get that other side of things. Because even if you, like you said, even if you disagree with them, it's good to know why. Yeah. Especially right now in the political state that this country is in, you know, you want to know what's going on. So, Bria, what about you? Do you ever get... Do you ever check out books like this? Do you ever get a perspective shift? Um, you know, it's rare. It's really rare. It's interesting to hear you guys talk about this. So I'm, I, it's rare that I will go out of my way to pick up a book where I'm like, this goes against everything I believe because I'm just like, there's so only so many hours in the day and I don't have the time. But what's super weird is I'm reading a book right now that actually goes against, I'm reading two nonfiction books right now because on, I find on sets it's a little bit easier if I'm working a lot to just pick up a nonfiction book. Mm. But I'm reading a book right now and I wasn't going to talk about it because I haven't talked about reading it on the show because I'm like, I don't know if I can recommend it, um, which is an interesting thing because like we talk about what we're reading, which automatically people think as a, of as a recommendation. Yes. But we sometimes have to be we've very... been reading things. Mm. I'm like just started a book and I was going to talk about it and I'm glad I didn't, although I don't think it's wrong. So I'll just talk about it. It's called The Body the Keeps... Bible. It's called... <laughs> it's called The Bible. Maybe you've heard uh, of it. Heard of it? Heard of it. Um, reading it start to finish. Um... It's called The Body Keeps the Score. Have you read oh, this one? But yeah, yes. Cameron Hurley recommended it. No. It's a book about I think Cameron Hurley trauma. Hurley was reading it. Yeah, Cameron Hurley was reading it for something. It's about how the uh-huh. body physically remembers trauma. Yes. Yeah, it's very controversial. But it's also anti-medicine. Right. Is it mm. anti- uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Also, so I'm, vaccinate your children. That is something that reading not, glasses feels very strongly about. It's I will say that. It's yes. anti- It's not, and I wouldn't say it's even anti. It's just, um, I was not prepared for the amount of- People think that you can give someone Zoloft for this and it will help, but really you should try this other kind of therapy. Like it's mm-hmm. it's saying it's not it hasn't said like throw out all your medications, but there are some implications of that. And mm. so it's an interesting and I have several times been like, should I put this book down? Because like I know <laughs> how much antidepressants and anti-anxieties have helped all the people in my life. And mm-hmm. like there are so many people where I'm like, they would not be able to get by without these medications. Um, and I truly believe in the power of science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I understand different alternative kinds of therapies and different ways to understand trauma. But I, and so I, it, I, I'm pushing through. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting. And I would love advice on how to push through something where I'm like, ooh, but when you like, specifically name the medication that like one person I know has said saved their life. Yeah. It's very hard for me to go, Ooh, this is he, is this person wrong about everything? Uh, totally. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the, what I start to like question. And and you describing the book as you did makes me immediately want to read it. Like, Ooh, mm-hmm. Ooh, I want to hear I how they, it. okay. All right. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to hear how do they work through those ideas? Totally. And- well, he's, he is a therapist. He's a therapist and like a, uh, he's a doctor, something uh, a doctor? Uh, question mark. Uh, he's a doctor and like has worked with all these people who's been through trauma. So it's not like it's an uneducated. It's not un. He's not uneducated. He, it's a very like research point of view. Oh, but it's yeah. it is sometimes it's a little hard for me to push through. There is part of me that goes like, oh, I, I don't know, because like I I disagree. I definitely like have a disagreement with it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's really interesting because sometimes you have these people who have have dived really deep into the personal experience, which it sounds like this person has, but maybe haven't subjected their work to greater scientific study with double blinding and things like that. And so they can get sort of immersed in their own perspective and then 
get in this sort of feedback loop where, oh, you know what? The next patient reminds me of the last one. And, you know, uh, and that that kind of experience has value. But I kind of think of it as still in the hypothesis stage, you know, like more subjective or or like limited. uh, I guess that's hypothesis, like limited testing at this point. Yeah. 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 And it's an educated hypothesis. It's not out of nowhere. But like until you really subjected to true scientific testing, it's still just sort of in the maybe category. And uh, yeah, I think sometimes we think of uh, people who are experts as like, oh, they must have the final say. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they're really just uh, very experienced people, but that's it. (laughs) You know, they don't necessarily have deep scientific understanding. And like, I think both science and pseudoscience come out of this desire to understand the world and exercise control over it. And so that's understandable and relatable. Uh, But yeah, what science does is it helps us uh, take our own biases and our little pet theories out of the equation and lead us toward truth ideally. And yeah, it gets tricky when you find, like you're describing, Carrie, like someone who's on that spectrum and kind of toward the science end, but they just haven't applied that level of rigor mm-hmm. uh, or the the proper sample sizes or whatever it may be uh, to kind of deal with their pet theory. And yeah, I, I get that feeling because I read a lot of things where I'm I, like I'm on guard thinking, wait, how much of this do I want to seep into my brain? <laughs> right, right. And how much do I need to stick a pin into reality as I'm reading this? And I guess that would be the biggest struggle as we read books like this. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think that's a fear of mine. That's interesting. Huh. I don't really worry about it seeping into my brain. Oh, that, see, that's why I actually love reading books like this because, I like, if you listen to Reading Glass, you know I'm big on no spoilers. So for me, it feels like the way I get through it is like, what the fuck could happen next? What is the, <laughs> what is the crazy thing is going to happen? Like, I, like oh, yeah. I'm so interested to see what's going to happen, and I can kind of keep that sort of distance where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not going to let this. I'm not going to let myself get fully absorbed into this. Like, I try to keep a little bit of, like— uh, not more than a grain of salt, I guess, a mm. large sack mm-hmm. of salt that I have draped all over my body. And I just get so interested to see, like, what 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 could possibly happen? What does this person see? How are they going to justify all these beliefs, even if I don't believe in them? Like, how, do, how are they coming at it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's one of the most interesting things about reading the stuff that we read. Uh, the, the really kind of out there stuff, but uh, paranormal and super pseudoscience is like, wow, this person really believes this and they have formed this whole world where it's true. How did they do it? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I want to, I want yeah. to, I want them to show their work. Like, exactly. yeah. how did you get here? And that's actually why one of my favorite things to do is uh, read memoirs about people that I have, n- have never heard of. Okay. Like, I love reading celebrity memoirs of people that I've never, like, my my favorite celebrity memoir ever is Alan Cummings, and I've never seen an Alan Cummings movie. <laughs> great. Uh, okay. My thing is, if, if their story is interesting enough. Burlesque, you didn't see Burlesque. He has a great cameo on that one. Anniversary <laughs> party, really uh, good. Yeah, I've yeah, great, it. Let's great. just keep saying names okay. of his movies. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Not let you finish your point. No, maybe not. I do love him now, and now I want to go see Alan Cummings stuff, and I love his music. Um, but if it, something is interesting enough, it's going to just be a great story. Uh-huh. And it's almost like, ooh, Spoiler, because I feel like if you were obsessed with a celebrity, then you're like, oh, I know what this happens at this point in their life. Uh, But for me, I'm just reading it. I'm like, what could possibly happen next? (laughs) And I think it's really great. Even if it's not like a celebrity memoir, memoirs of people, like one of my favorite memoirs to read is like people who are in cults. Because that is something Mm -hmm. that I cannot empathize with. It's well known that I'm terrified of being in a cult and I don't like people (laughs) touching me and I don't, ugh, freaks me out. I feel like you could empathize the horrible nature of being in a cult. 
What do you, well, you can yeah. empathize with how horrible it is no, to no, be I there. Mean, Maybe I like too that, much. I'm talking about that mindset because I am so, uh, I, I get so nervous. Not about, a joiner. I'm not a joiner. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> very not a joiner. So, but I'm very interested in that mindset of how people, you know, are looking for community and how yeah. that sort of desire can, you know, erode people's greater sensibilities and they end up in those places. So I love reading stuff like that. Just like an experience that I have no, uh, I, I don't know anything about, but I want to know just because it helps you be more empathetic because it's so easy to be like oh these idiots mm-hmm. who want hugs and mm. go and end up in a cult but it's like you know <laughs> a lot of this is about <laughs> hugs and touching yeah. <laughs> 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 but would but you yeah. ever pick up a, like a, a book that was politically antithetical to what you believe i would get it from the library for sure you would mm. absolutely okay because you know just like all the things that we've been saying you know it's really even just so you can argue better and just know what's on the other side of it to see where they're coming from, I think is so, so important and something that uh, right now we live in an age where it's so easy to create your own echo chamber, especially on social media. You know, you curate the news that you get, you curate the people you hear from, and it's very, very easy to just stay in there and, you know, have your own opinions Mm -hmm. voiced back at you. But when you read books like this, you know, whether it's a political thing or a memoir or whatever it is, you're kind of stepping outside and forcing yourself to get out of that space. I think it's good for all of us to do every once in a while. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We, We've been shooting in this house, and obviously the people who own it um, are uh, super right-wing, so they have all the, like, you know, uh, Sean Hannity memoir, whatever. And they're, right, and that's the face I make. I'm like, well, I would never read this book. And they, like, I've been looking through them, and I'm just like, these are insane, and can I burn them? And, like, then I'm like, but this, this is, like, should I be more open and see if I could learn something from, insert, right-wing correspondent here. Right. You know, like, I I, it's hard for me to think about picking up a political book like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. Those books, like the one of my favorite books that Ross got me, the confirmation bias book, uh, um, mistakes were made, but not by me. Yeah. It really sh- books like that show you how someone like that is formed because you don't you don't pop out of the womb and go, I'm going to be a supervillain. You know, I'm going to be a garbage person. Like it's a long. I mean, maybe one person. Maybe, okay, maybe there's a few people who want to be supervillains, but it's a long series of choices and finding out how a person gets there. I think is very interesting, at yeah. least to me. Yeah. Even from just a character perspective as a writer, like how do you get to a point where you're okay with having concentration camps in your country? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think often as Carrie and I read our books, we do it with a, a lens of just finding the outrageous things and maybe even taking some some weird enjoyment out of that. And we'll mm-hmm. share that often on the podcast. Oh my goodness, can you believe they said this? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then every now and then you'll find a nugget of wisdom or a little piece of something that you can empathize with. It helps you understand where they, they come from. And I think talking to people, too, is another great way to keep your distance. Would be like, just have a moment where you're like, can I read this stupid sentence to you? Just like, <laughs> and just like kind of yes. get you out of it. And you're like, okay, yeah, this is crazy. Like, it's fine. Oh, Kara but. can tell you, my wife can tell you so many stories oh, of sure. me. Like, oh, you <laughs> got to yeah. look at this and <laughs> kind of nod the music. Okay. All right. You're done. Like the, the book that I read for this is an audiobook I actually talked about on a past episode. And I finished it. And it was amazing. It's called Real, Real Queer America by Samantha Allen. She's a, a trans woman writer. And it's her, she went on a road trip through like southern U.S. like looking for the queer communities there because when Trump got elected so many of us you know that were privileged enough to be able to do so we're like oh I'm going to move to Canada I don't Uh want to be I'm going to abandon this country but there's so many people who A don't have that ability 
like financially or or for whatever reason, but also like don't want to. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to give up this country to the garbage people. And like they're so she went through Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi and found all these great communities of queer people that are like you know, doing great work in the community and helping other people and like, you know, really dug their heels in when a lot of people left and moved to places like San Francisco or New York. And, you know, that's not an experience I had. Like I have, I've been to the South, but I did not grow up there. And it's so easy for me. I grew up in New England and I live in LA to be like, oh, you know, those Southern, those red states. Mm -hmm. But it's not just that black and white. It's not like every Mm -hmm. single person down there, as you know, you're from Texas. Like, I'm very Texan, too. Yeah. I'm, like, very Texan and proud to be Texan. And obviously, like, I don't think that. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's full of great people. Mm-hmm. So I think- I'm from there. I'm there. I think I'm cool. Yeah. Bria, I turned, to, I turned and Bria has a cowboy hat on. <laughs> I literally am riding a lasso right now. <laughs> Those are great boots, by the way. No, thank you. <laughs> but I, I think it's so important to read books like that to be like, oh, yeah, to really break your brain open. I'm like, okay, no, it's mm-hmm. not. Because it's so easy to like get in that black and white thing when you're mm-hmm. all in mm-hmm. echo chambers all the time. And I think that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have this as part of the reading glasses challenge. Even if, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I read a book about octopus. Like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, a book like this can really change your change your perspective or make your own perspective a little stronger in a good way totally so the book i read for this is actually not that book i'm reading that book for a second thing i have to show you the book i'm reading okay oh jesus oh here it comes it's coming out of a messenger bag it's a gift oh bria grant (laughs) have y'all read this no jeremy it's called the snake bite survivors club and mallory i brought it to scare mallory oh Oh, no because it's got a snake on it so here's the thing I'm also very scared of snakes. I grew up in Texas where there's snakes in the pools. There's copperheads in your yards. It's horrifying. I shot a movie in Florida last year, and snakes legit fell from the rafters (gasps) at one point in the house we were shooting in. It was horrifying. And the director thought it was very funny that I was so scared, so he gave me this book, and I was like, I'm never going to read this book. But then this podcast came around, and I thought... I'm going to read this fucking you're book. You're braver than me, Brian. And it's a this book about... A, this is why you're a Gryffindor. You're a Gryffindor. And is, it's a book about people, the most dangerous snakes in the world. This guy travels and meets people who have, like, uh, snake handling. Okay, I, I, I bet y'all could talk about snake I can handling. never yeah. read a book like that. I'm not... I, never mind. It's snake I, handling. Yeah. <laughs> um, he goes to Africa and deals with people who have been bit... Uh, he's trying to find a guy who's been bit by a black mamba. I'm only halfway through. Um, okay. And then in Australia. There's a lot of Australian stuff. Sean isn't here anymore, but he's, he's a lot of Australian stuff. But... Um, <laughs> It is fascinating. Oh, I bet. It is so this good. Is nonfiction. It's nonfiction. Okay, it's basically it. like travel writing. It's if a Mary Roach was exploring snakes. Okay. Yeah. It's it. Even that could not get me. There is a lot of snake stuff in it that I I did have some snake nightmares last night. But oh, um, Bria, gosh. Are there any communities or things you're scared of that you've gone into? Because this was a big jump for me to actually read this book. But it has been great. I'm halfway through. I love it. Ugh. It's so good. Cool. Carrie independently tried to get in with some snake handlers in the Appalachians. Yeah. Did it work? It it's takes hard. a while. Yeah. Well, they finally invited me and my best friend Claire to one of their services after a week of emailing them. They We really had to like get earn their trust and because they're kind of undergrounds because it's on the bubble as far as legality goes. There's so many looky-loos who just want to, you know, spectate. Well, people get hurt and then they don't take them to the hospital and then there's like all sorts of legal things, I'm sure. Like every, it feels like every other month on the dot, there's a story about a snake handler dying Mm -hmm. from snake. Right. (laughs) From from said snake. (laughs) And yeah, they finally did invite us. This is when we were on a trip in Atlanta and yeah, they, they finally sent us an email saying, fine, here's the address. And it was as we were getting on the plane to go home. Oh. Like, no. So would you handle the snake, Carrie? No. Oh, I would fuck just that. go. I would also, just go. Okay. 
God will strike you down. That's the rule yeah. of the snake handling is if you're not supposed to handle the snake, yeah. that's why you get bit. That's what but I learned. But then what if you do when the snake doesn't bite you? What does that does say that mean about you're their Jesus? belief? God is cool with it with mm-hmm. you with you you've that's, been blessed that's why i'd be tempted but to i thought god hated me <laughs> ross really wants to test god ross wants to test god <laughs> i guess i'm the only one here who's not too worried about snakes so. uh, oh man oh i'm very worried about snakes i went to an animal sanctuary that oh, had the worst episode <laughs> <laughs> literally yeah. that's why i didn't have the book out before mallory we has her hand I'll on turn her it head over. i'll turn the it, book over this is physically but, painful you guys i was wearing my fitbit <laughs> and there was a reptile and amphibian room and I walked in and I saw the snakes and my Fitbit was like stop exercising your heart rate is too high <gasps> oh wow I was not exercising I was wow. just walking into the snake area but this I think is a good example of if people are looking to check this box off from reading glasses list not this but of a micro history sort of mm. right mm-hmm. this this specific mm-hmm. like culture or thing do, do y'all have right, micro history books you would recommend I've never heard that term. It's like, you know, when someone, like... It's a I deep actually, dive into one very particular subject. Right. Like so the snakes. history of the fork. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. forks instead uh-huh. of snakes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I well, feel like we read a lot of books like that. Yeah, you yeah. Probably, I would think you do. I, well, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, the, the first person that comes to mind is uh, Sam Keen. Like, he writes, he'll write on one particular topic, but he'll kind of bridge it across history. Mm. And so he wrote The Disappearing Spoon, all about mm-hmm. the discovery of the uh, periodic table. Uh, and that, that weaves together stories of different scientists. And that's really fascinating. Another one of my favorites of his is uh, Caesar's Last Breath. And it's all about air and how we got air and where it came from, like, in terms of the Earth's history. And uh, that whole idea of, like, every breath you take in does have a few molecules of air that Julius Caesar would have breathed. Mm. And uh, it just ties together all these different stories about scientific Wait. findings around air. It's amazing. What? Yep. We are breathing the air that Julius Caesar breathed? 100%. Mm-hmm. I can't handle that. That's you can handle the for snakes, me. but you can't handle that. I, but it's I can't true. handle the it's snakes. True. <laughs> but that also means every other person who's lived. Hitler. So Hitler. Yeah, I'm also yeah. breathing Hitler's you're air. Probably, and and, and you're dinosaurs. Probably, right. Because they've lived a hell of a lot longer than I'm any cool of us have. And you're breathing air is cool as hell. way more poop. That I learned about. Which is another reason why homeopathy doesn't make any sense. Because if water has a memory, it remembers a lot. A lot of stuff you don't want it to remember. Like Ella's poop. Oh. Ella, what are you reading for this challenge? <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> is that voice. your dog voice? Is that the yeah, voice you that's give for the Ella's dog voice? <laughs> and she also knows it as like someone's paying attention to me no. voice. So she's sitting Adorable. up now. Um, you know, about micro history, my new favorite term. Um, uh, yeah, Mary Roach, I think, would be a good example of that. Me and Although, Ross are no longer allowed to talk about Mary Roach on the show because oh, we okay. recommend we knock her over too microphones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got too excited. But yeah, she's, you can talk about it. Okay, You're thank you. Yeah, yes. Well, I thought of her too after I mentioned The God Delusion. I also read Spook before The God oh, yeah. Delusion, and that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, oh, shook up my beliefs in the paranormal. And I, I think Spook is a good example of uh, a history of all the places in human history that we've looked at. Uh, spirits and souls and ghosts and uh, this uh, how we came to study them and consider them uh, a potential science. And that's a really wonderful book. Another one is uh, Suspicious Minds, which is by a British author. I can't remember his name. And that is sort of the history of conspiracy theory. Oh, and, oh, cool. And Interesting. That's really cool. It's a great That's title. Cool. Though, were you just singing the, the Elvis, Elvis song yeah. over and over in your head? It's, it's like one Elvis of those cards song? where you it's open it up and the book, oh, it just comes Elvis. out of the book. And later Elvis. 
It's like one of those birthday cards where you open up the book and that song just comes out. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Okay, I have an important question. Are there ghosts or no? <laughs> I feel like y'all are the people to ask. Bria, Bria really just invited you all. On the <laughs> Tell me definitively. Uh, the the answer is most likely not. Yeah, bummer. Yeah, probably <laughs> no. Bummer. Probably no. But the question is designed like we we invented ghosts because they're impossible to disprove. So we can never mm-hmm. say no. They sure. they live in the gaps of human knowledge, mm-hmm. but there you go. probably. No. Yeah, uh, Carl Sagan amazing. illustrated Sorry, it as like the invisible is, dragon. That is your, or your that's a revenge. All right, for ghosts you are still my fun. I think the funniest oh, thing. Oh well, <laughs> we love ghost lore. Yeah. And, you know, if you've got a haunted house, I want to stay over. Oh like, wow! Like, I would. Oh yeah. I, I my dream in life is that someday I will buy a house and it'll be severely discounted because oh. There, oh, yeah. it's yes. haunted. Oh, I would buy that house too. Yeah, yeah for sure. Or if there's a murder I in would there, pay I'd be extra. like, give me that murder house. <laughs> exactly. Give me That's that I mean. murder house. Slap that, go- slap that ghost tax right on there. Well, I it. literally, we were looking at house and his, houses and I told my real estate agent, I was like, our aesthetic is spooky. So <laughs> if you can, the spookier the better and the guy did, did not, not like that. He did say, not end up being a real estate agent. Bria was playing with her hair. She said, our market is spooky. Literally, he did not like. a spooky house though. We bought a very spooky house. Your house I wouldn't describe as spooky. It was built in 1911. I'm from New England. It yes. <laughs> hurts. How the house is creepy. It's very well, creepy. You've made it's it creepy. Purple. How about that? My, my <laughs> wife's uh, house, so when we were dating, uh, oh, I, I, I geeked out on it because it was built in the 1890s, and it's got dark in wood LA. paneling. Oh, up in Watsonville, California. Okay. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, it looks so creepy, and there's this creaky upstairs area, and one of the rooms has uh, the door. When you close it, you see scratch marks on it, Ooh. and they put a mirror on top of it, but you can see the scratch marks extending uh. above and below because there was a woman who was confined there for years <sighs> who was mentally unstable. What? Yeah, and she would, like, try to get out. Yeah, and—, and Is that where her- you kiss Kara for the first <laughs> time? <laughs> <laughs> no, but <laughs> maybe the third time. Anyways, uh, yeah, the it's, it's wild in her story. Ha- her stories. Her sisters have stories of uh, the room spinning around and them seeing glowing orbs. And I remember, like, before I, when I was still a Christian, I remember walking up there in the night and really expecting to see something. And I remember that feeling. Wow. And years later, I, I was walking feeling. up the stairs in the middle of the night, no lights on because I know the, the layout so well. And I realized, like, oh, it's kind of sad. I don't have yeah. that. F- I miss yeah. that feeling yeah. a little sure. bit. Sure. No ghosts. Actually, the no. book that I would recommend for listeners to read, uh, is it's interesting that we all are big readers, but a lot of people don't know about the history of books or how to make a book. Oh. And there's a book called The Book by oh. Keith Houston. And oh. it's literally a history of books and like how ah. books, like how they are made, the history of, of, of bookmaking, but also how they've changed society. <sighs> oh, that's cool. cool. It's okay. a beautiful book. Great but it's book. very hard to find when you like search for it's it. Like, oh, I was just thinking. Who's, yeah. the author? Who's the author? Keith Houston. Okay, that's how you have to find it. Yeah. But when I, the first time when I was buying it, uh, I, I own it, uh, but I was Googling the book, and then I was like, wait a minute, hold on. The book, <laughs> book. It, the book, book uh, history. Right. The, bo- the book, history of books. Just like put the word book a bunch of times, but book, if book. listeners in the show are not interested in spooky things, which why are you listening to the show? If you're not <laughs> spooky things? Uh, but that would be a great non spooky, non snake book to read. Ooh, I'm in. It's, it's really, really cool. So you can send your thoughts uh, on. Nonfiction books you don't know anything about uh, to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. And before we solve a reader problem, we're going to take a quick break. Hi, I'm the JV Club podcast, Janet Varney, and I used to suffer from indecision. I couldn't choose between Star Wars and Star Trek, whether to call or text, or the best way to cook my eggs. 
But now, thanks to my weekly dose of We Got This on Maximum Fun, my decisions are made for me. Thanks, Mark and Hal. Warning, We Got This may cause shouting, phone throwing, the illusion that the hosts can hear you, laughter on public transit, and death. We Got This with Mark and Hal. We know what's best. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. We've talked about a similar problem on the show before, but this one is specific to unread books. Danielle writes in, I had a question about giving your books away. What do you suggest about giving away books that you have not read yet, intend to read, and never get to? I have so many books hoarded from library sales, sidewalks, and forays into used bookstores that a but I have not gotten into many of them. I want to donate them, but I feel like that means I am giving up on those books I haven't even read yet. What are your suggestions about giving up on books that have been around for too long? Oh, Bria, what do you think? I love this. It's like a very spiritual way to do this. Hold that book in your hands. <laughs> are you excited about your book? Great. Keep it. If you are. Um, I think right now, this is, y'all, did y'all, ooh, did you cover the Marie Kondo book? <laughs> did you talk, I, did I've you read, read it? it? I read it also. I think there's a Which big. Which also counts, like, counts as a translated book if you are doing the reading glasses. Mm, interesting. Oh, right. um, what uh, a there's a big, <laughs> there's a big throwing away getting rid of stuff culture in it happening right mm-hmm. now, which I'm totally for. And I'm really, I think it's great. But I also think that there's like a pressure to throw things away right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Like, um, what are you doing with all that stuff? One of my Bria? friends was like, you should clean out your closet. And I was like, I have cleaned out my closet and I don't feel like I need to get rid of, I have a big enough closet. I need to get to rid a- of a friend right now. <laughs> I was like, I was offended. Lift the friend up and put them in. Because I was like, I actually use these clothes for a lot of things. I wear them for various, I need all these clothes. And I don't feel like I have an insane amount of clothes. You're I, very, uh, being very defensive. Right I'm very now, defensive right? about it. I was double angry. We are on your side. We're, we're not judging real, you, Bria. My real test is, would would you go buy this book again? Like, if you throw mm. it out, would you later go, you know, Good. I kind of do want to read that and go buy it again? Then you should hold on to that book. You're going to waste money otherwise. Mm-hmm. And if you have the room for it, mm-hmm. I'm for it. Okay. What do y'all think? I, I mean, I'm the worst answer to this because I have so many books that mm. meet that uh, criteria, uh, exactly how the listener is describing it. But I would say maybe some good strategies. I, I like what you're saying. Uh, at work, we have a giveaway table oh, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, and it's such a great way just to, like, kind of put stuff out and recycle and reuse. Uh, but also, like, check your library. See if they have that book. Smart. Keep it on a list. And if you know you have access to it, then you won't feel that disconnection. So oh, you can good. get rid of it or even donate it to your library knowing it'll be there. And uh, and then, yeah, go get it later if you still feel that urge. That's hot book That's, tip. Hot yeah. book tip. That's, good one. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. So because I, I went through this when I moved, I was like, oh, shit, I have dozens and dozens of books I can't take with me. And, uh, and I realized like this this is a unique problem because possessions, we do feel like we need to surround ourselves with them. And uh, if you get rid of it, it's gone forever. Books are this unique category where it's not gone forever. We have this public good, the library, where we share possessions. That's kind of neat. You it's don't very cool. have that with clothes. You don't have that with I don't know, your stuffed animals you might get yeah. rid of. <laughs> yeah. All those stuffed animals you're hoarding at right. your house. <laughs> Is that Adults. not a problem for everyone listening? <laughs> Very interesting. Um, uh, <laughs> your bed Carrie's uh, just pulling her collar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right now. <laughs> I don't know why I thought she of that. She just like shoves a bunch of stuffed animals back into her purse. <laughs> just a random thought. I don't know. Um, 
But books we share. Like, that's so neat. So, yeah, yeah I just, I I had to, like, sit with myself and be like, okay, like, the books of the library are mine. They're not mm-hmm. anybody else's more than they're mine. They are the public's. So if I'm just going and refilling those shelves, like, I'm just participating in that system. They're still mine. They're just at my very cool storage space called the library. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I did it that way. And then I also... um I did, uh, there were a few books that I looked up online just to make sure they weren't extremely rare or hard to find, you know, uh, because they do have some that are like, you know, deep dive satanic panic books. I'm not going to get rid of those. Keep um, those forever. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, give them to the library. We run into a problem too where like my leftover book, like after I read it, will be an extra copy I got of a Jehovah's Witness uh, book or something from the Seventh-day Adventists or, you know, like a bunch of exorcism books or uh, L. Ron Hubbard. I'm like, what do I do with this? I don't want to give this to other people. Uh, (laughs) So we usually give those away to our listeners at our live recordings. That's nice. That's, That's really cool. That's good. See, what do you think? I have a few different metrics. And I, like, I get this. For me, it's like throwing away uneaten food. Like, I grew mm. up very poor. So it took me yeah. years to break that, like, clean your plate, even though you're stuffed, you can't throw anything away. And I feel like that about books a lot. But as someone who also just moved, one of one of my metrics is how have I moved with this book multiple times? Because mm. I was just resetting mm. up my library. This is the fifth time I've moved in three years oh fuck my life and there was a couple books where I was like I've moved this book from Brooklyn to LA and then LA four different times I'm not gonna read it Mm -hmm. Um, also you know I do have that thing like does this book still excite me is this something I still want to read and I also have a thing where I'm like do I have a book that's similar that I want to read more mm. you know especially, oh, I like that. that's especially when really it comes good. to novels mm. or even nonfiction stuff I'm like do I have something that's kind of like this that I am more excited about then why do I have this and, like, especially mm. for someone like me where I'm like how many post-apocalyptic <laughs> books do I need to have to be art? It's 10 too many? It's, I have more than 10. <laughs> that's what I like, you know, and they're like, and I get it on the other side, like, will you buy it again is a great thing. There's one book and I will say it, I, we have a rule on the show where we don't talk about books we don't like, but I haven't read this yet, so I can't, I don't know if I like it, but I've bought Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell three different times. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Because I, I bought it and then I was like, oh, this is a really big book, man. I gave it away. And then I bought it again and then I gave it away again. It's still big. I, yeah. <laughs> it hasn't gotten any smaller. You thought you were going to get bigger? No. You thought you were going to grow taller and it was going to be easier to read? You keep eating those vegetables. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, so I have these, so with all those things, if this book doesn't pass all these tests, I'm either going to sell it or donate it. I'll t- bring it to the, give it to the woman's book program. I will put it in a free book box. I'll put it in a little free library. Cause you know, I, I still have, I feel like I, it's like with clothes, I think where I'm like, God, I don't have anything to read. And I'm standing in front of my massive, like mm-hmm. four bookshelves that I have. Mm-hmm. And it feels like you don't have a lot of stuff. And, but if a book, you don't love it. Like when I was moving, there was one book. I'm like, I didn't even fucking like this. Why mm-hmm. am I, yeah. the second time I've moved with it. So really it takes a lot of time, I think, but just sit down and just like go through and like, do I want this? Will I actually read this? You have to just get rid of that guilt of like, I haven't read it, uh, but you're not, if you're never going to just give it. Find some, rehome it. Let it, let it find a, a love somewhere. <laughs> maybe someone will yeah. love that book and they'll be so happy that you gave it away. Or maybe it'll be terrible and you don't have to read it. <laughs> if you love that book, let it let it go. Let it, yeah. let it go free. And if it comes back on your doorstep, then it's <laughs> If you buy it again, and, then it is meant to be. <laughs> uh, so if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy, who run our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to support the show and look really cool and sexy, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's always a link in the show notes. And if you like the show and don't want to spend any money, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It's free and really great for us and helps us reach more readers. We're really close to 700 
reviews. I don't know if we're going to do anything for 700. The only way to know is to get us there. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. Ross, Carrie, where can we find you guys online? Where can we find your awesome show? Uh, same place, MaximumFun.org. Yeah. Yeah, and Ono Podcast on Twitter and on Rack on Facebook, O-N-R-A-C. And you have any live shows coming up? No! Hey! <laughs> We're all done for a while, thankfully. Everyone's done on tour. Hooray. So thanks for listening and thanks for reading. Thanks for reading. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.